For these reasons, both the Eupatrids and the many felt a good deal of confidence in Solon, and gave him the right to do whatever he thought would improve matters. There was certainly need of some man of wisdom, for all Attica was in an uproar. Besides the troubles between the poor and the rich, there were also three parties who were always quarreling, the men of the plains, who lived on the most fertile land, the men of the coast, who lived near the sea and were fishers and traders, and the men of the mountains or shepherds, who lived on the rugged hillsides where they pastured their flocks. These people had different wishes, and no man, however wise he might be, could ever have pleased them all. Solon paid little attention to what any one class of people wanted, but did just what he thought would be best for the whole state. The most pressing trouble was that so many people were in debt. The farmers were rapidly losing their farms and becoming day laborers, while the laborers were being sold as slaves. So many had been sold that their absence was a great loss to the country. Solon's first decrees were that men might pay their debts in new coins only three-fourths as heavy as the old ones, but counted as of the same value, that the debts of farmers who had borrowed of the state should be forgiven, that a man who had agreed to become the slave of another, if he did not return borrowed money, should not be held to his bargain, that all who had already become slaves should be freed, and that those who had been sold into foreign lands should be brought back at the expense either of the state or of the man who had sold them. At first glance these laws seem rather unfair to the creditors, but as a general thing, when a rich man lent money to a poor man, he knew perfectly well that he could never be repaid. His object was to get the man himself, that is, to make free citizens into slaves, and no law ought to protect such dealings. Solon himself was a Eupatrid, but he did not believe that the Eupatrids alone ought to make the laws. He divided the people into four classes according to their income from land. The rich held more offices, but they had to pay larger taxes. The members of the lowest class, those who were too poor to buy arms and armor for themselves, could not be elected to any office, but they paid no tax and every man, rich or poor, belonged to the ecclesia and had the right to vote. So it was that Solon lived up to his favorite saying, Equality causes no war. With these new laws, every man had the opportunity to rise from one class to another, and finally to hold the highest office in the state. He might even become a member of the Areopagus, and in the eyes of an Athenian this was the noblest of civic honors. Most of the laws of Draco were abolished, and Solon made a new code. Finally, he pardoned the Alcmeonidae and allowed them to return to Athens. He did not decree how children should be brought up, but he evidently meant that they should not be idle, for he declared that no man should be required to support his father in old age unless the father had taught him as a boy to support himself by some trade. Solon's whole thought was the good of the state. He did not, like Lycurgus, believe in despising money, but rather in using it so carefully and wisely that when it was needed there would be no lack. For this reason he made some laws limiting the amount that might be spent at funerals, where there had usually been much display, and also some about the dress of women. For instance, when a woman went on a journey she might carry with her only three dresses. 
The laws were written on wooden tablets, and these were set up where everyone could read them. There were so many different parties in Athens that no one of them was perfectly satisfied. They came to Solon again and again. What does this law mean? they would ask, or why not change that law? At length Solon decided that he would go away and leave the people and the laws together for a while. When he returned to Athens, however, he found that the citizens were no more contented than when he left them. The nobles had supposed that all would not be peaceful after the debts were forgiven, and they felt as if their losses had gone for nothing. Many of the poor people were grievously disappointed, for they had expected that in some mysterious way their friend Solon would make them all rich. The nobles did not agree among themselves, and the three parties, the men of the plains, of the coast, and of the mountains, were still at odds. Summary Attica was not generally fertile, but had a fine climate. The Athenians believed that Theseus had formed the state by uniting many Ionians. Codrus gave his life for Athens. Later, the state was ruled by the king and eight archons subject to the Areopagus. The government was an oligarchy, and the laws favored the rich. Draco revised them. His code allowed the ecclesia to choose magistrates from among all citizens who owned a certain amount of land. Cylon attempted to become tyrant. Megacles overcame him, but in so doing violated the shrine of Athene. For this crime, he and the other Alcmeonidae were banished. There were not only troubles between the rich and the poor, but there were three parties, the men of the plains, of the coast, and the mountains. Solon made laws to favor the poor. He divided the people into four classes according to their property. He allowed the Alcmeonidae to return. He obliged the people to be economical. No one was fully satisfied with these laws.